0: friend. Welcome to Plays Well with Others, a podcast for creative community to discuss everything from the sensitive to the silly, but most importantly, to explore play. Come play with us. I'm your podcast host and wiggly dancer, lover of ducks and hats, Alex B. Arnipold. Let's dive in, shall we? Hi friendos. Ah, oh boy. What a week. I have been pretty much in my pajamas all week since our launch on Monday, just caring for myself really. If you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, then let me allow me to roll in my personal experience and our announcements all into one place. So this past Monday, Rec Center released the Play Portal, which is a membership organization for squishy, soft creatives just like you. Between you and me, I have been working my, my little booty off for the past, really the past six months to get this rolling, and I am so proud of how it turned out, of where it's going, and even knowing that this is really just the seed of what I'm planting, of what we're planting here at Rec Center. The Play Portal is a creative playground for interdisciplinary makers, for soft, squishy weirdos, for those that feel like they don't fit into other boxes or other categories to come together into a community of support and softness. One of my beautiful and amazing clients always says that they hold you in their heart hammock when they're saying that they support you. So I like to think of the Play Portal as a giant heart hammock. There are so many wonderful things that are going to be happening in the Play Portal, but there are two different ways if you're interested in being involved to get your feet wet, so to speak, to get your sea legs. Our free membership is available to anyone to join. This is an online forum and community to support you in your playful creative endeavors. We have daily discussions, play prompts, and ways to engage community and to connect with others that are like you. And then, we have our paid membership. Our paid membership is everything mentioned previously and then some. This is going to be masterclasses, coaching, co-creative sessions, ways to take your creative play to the next level. And I am so delighted about the masterclass teachers that are going to be joining us in 2022. They include Adrian Maury Brown, Meg Lewis, Bunny Michael, Yumi Sakagawa, Linnea Sims of Inner Play and Outer Work, Lexi Merritt of Pretty Decent, Lizzie Silva, Phoebe Taylor of OK Shoe, Alicia Goodwin, Ariel Astoria, Rebecca Anthony, and Sam Reese of Shitty Craft Club. I mean, come on, y'all. These teachers. Uh, I feel like I am levitating. Like I have a superpower just by being in proximity to these individuals. I don't want to go too much at length on the subject of membership. So suffice it to say, if you are interested I would encourage you to listen to our previous mini episode and special big announcement. It is just 10 minutes of pure info on the membership, so check it out. And now, let's dive in to today's episode. A bit of a caveat before we dive in fully. I'm trying to walk the talk and be less of a perfectionist. I really am a recovering perfectionist. If you know my big three in my chart, I am a Virgo sun, Virgo rising Capricorn moon. Yeah, I'm a bit of a control freak, a little type A in there if you can't tell. So as I record these episodes, sometimes things happen in the background that are such life things, like my dog's clitter clatter of his nails on the steps, Currently, my partner is chopping garlic. So, if there are kitchen noise in the background, let's just go with it, shall we? I'm not going to make this so precious that this is no longer a human created thing. Because ultimately, anything that I touch creatively, I want to make sure that it still feels human made. Back in the day, I used to work for the company Anthropology. And this phrase we used to throw around all the time was touch of the hand. And what we meant by that is that anything we were creating, I should say I worked on the design team for them, that anything we were creating should have a touch of the hand evidence that it was handmade in it. So as a human created thing here, imagine any time you hear the sound of garlic that this is the touch of the hand, or I guess not the sound of garlic. Does garlic make a sound? Now I feel like I should do a whole podcast on the sounds of vegetables. What are the sounds of root crops versus the sounds of, I don't know, nightshades. This is a whole other thing. I'm taking myself down a rabbit hole. Let's rewind it a little bit and bring it back to the hand made. Making something by hand is a reminder. It's a reminder of being human, of not being perfect. Of things existing within a spectrum. And the fact that as humans, we try so hard to be perfect all of the time to reach these unrealistic expectations, whether it's my podcast or whether it's the creative project that you're working on, maybe it's the cake that you're baking. We are constantly striving towards these ideals of perfection. That don't exist. I keep thinking about the line from Mean Girls the limit does not exist. But that's what's so hilarious to me that we strive for perfection, but the limit in which we are striving for does not exist. So we push ourselves harder and further and ultimately burn out. Friends, we live in a really binary world. I'm not saying that the world in which we live in is one of binaries, but we have created, or rather co-created, an idea of functioning within binaries in everything that we do. Things are either right or wrong, good or bad. When we use the phrase enough, that insinuates that there is a point in which we reach enoughness. So what is it before that? not enough? Are we only functioning in terms of lack? These are some of the questions that I ask myself often. Also a lot of the questions my clients ask me in coaching. How do I know when it's enough? How do I know if it's good enough? Am I good enough? If there's a threshold that you cross when something becomes good enough, does that mean everything prior to crossing over that threshold? Wasn't adequate, wasn't worthy, wasn't worth your time. And I think that's why we don't start projects. Honestly, I feel like perfectionism, functioning within these binary ideas of enoughness, of good enough, is a form of procrastination. If at a certain point we cross over into good enough, and that everything prior to that threshold wasn't worthy, then what's the point in taking any effort if you know you're not going to cross over that threshold of a limit that doesn't exist? We don't try. We don't take the first step. Because we're convinced that if we don't do something fully with every ounce of our energy and create something perfect, then it wasn't worth it in the first place. So we shouldn't even try but I get ahead of myself. Let's back things up a little bit. Let me tell you a little bit about me and my story and my relationship to the concept of binaries. I have always been an individual, even since really birth, that has straddled multiple categories, multiple endeavors, multiple ideas, multiple concepts of self, even when I didn't have a name for it as a kid. I always had one foot in the door, one foot out the door, one foot in one concept, one foot in another. I loved soft domesticity and making a pancake breakfast on china plates and simultaneously climbing trees and skinning my knee and playing baseball in tag and then coming home and drawing a picture. I wasn't just one thing and I still don't think that I can be truly categorized. As a child, this wasn't an issue. This is what it meant to be a child. I don't think that my existence was singularly unique. I think most of us have that experience of being a child and allowing our sense of self, our sense of identity, our sense of want to be nebulous. Because play doesn't ask you to decide what you are or who you are. When you're a kid, play doesn't ask you to be perfect or to be one thing but as i started to get older i realized there were a lot of boxes that people wanted us to suddenly fit into gender sexuality career focus suddenly i was taking this beautiful fluid magical being that i was and chopping it up smaller and smaller and smaller so i could fit fit into someone else's idea fit into someone else's concepts. In religion, we talk about the word legalism, meaning a strict adherence to a concept or a law and prioritizing that over the individual. And I think that's what we do in life too, in careers, in sexuality and gender. Is this not a form of legalism? Of adhering to one idea, one law, one concept, instead of recognizing the massive spectrum of individual experience out there. Take sexuality, for example. I distinctly remember my senior year of high school sitting next to my at the time boyfriend and watching a school dance assembly in which, I don't know, 10 young women from the school performed some sort of writhing iteration of an Evanescence song. And while I thought my at-the-time boyfriend was cute as pie, I saw the women on stage and thought, wait, hold on a second, because that's real hot too. I'd love to have that. And suddenly I found myself stuck between two concepts of who I wanted to partner with in life. Never mind the wide spectrum of gender that I hadn't even been exposed to yet. I found myself stuck between two boxes. Or take careers and passions. Ever since I was a small child, I have always been interdisciplinary. I have loved theater, visual art, academia. I wanted to play the violin. I played soccer. And honestly, I was pretty good at all of them. In fact, I remember being mad at myself and feeling shame around how many things I was passionate about, because I knew that meant I would have to make a choice, that I couldn't do it all. That in the world of prospective futures that I was presented with, even as a child, there was never an option Of being someone that could do both, that could be both, that could even think of a way to integrate, integrate what I was already doing and good at. I can't believe that I lived in a world in which I felt shame for being talented or being passionate. How often do we do this to our kids, to ourselves? Punishing ourselves for wanting more have we always been punishing ourselves for wanting more than the two options presented before us? For wanting more in general? And here's where I think things get tricky and a little slippery. I think we trick ourselves into thinking that we're giving ourselves more options by introducing the gray area. Ah, the gray area. The great compromise, the meeting ground between two binaries that shouldn't have existed in the first place. I hate the idea of a compromise. It insinuates a middle ground that doesn't really meet the needs of either end. I prefer a collaboration, but more on that soon. We sometimes think that we are giving ourselves the best of both worlds when we enter the gray area. But what is the gray area other than another iteration of a binary? You're still existing, either closer to the black or closer to the white. It doesn't matter where you're at in the gray area, you're still recognizing the hierarchy of the binary. We see this all the time in careers. Oh, you wanted to be an artist? Great. You can have this day job that you hate, and the compromise can be that you paint at home in the evening. That's the gray area. The gray area insinuates that the binary is still all powerful. You're just meeting it in the middle. The gray area still works within the framework of enoughness. See, the issue with the gray area is that it still recognizes the hierarchy in the binary. It is just a toggle switch that you are flipping between. It's a sliding scale. Dear ones, you are so much more than a gray area. You are electric. You are on fire. You exist horizontally, laterally, in every direction. You are not just on a toggle switch. You were made to exist outside of the binary. Honestly, I think one of the best things I've ever done for my mental health, my sense of self, was coming out as non binary in gender. Now, I'm certainly not suggesting that all of you, dear listeners, should suddenly come out as non binary. I mean, you can join us, we'll welcome you. Arms wide open, the queer universe is ready for you, friend. But no, as much as I can hope and wish that you're sliding into queer abundance with open arms, this is not what I'm suggesting, so do not get me wrong. (laughs) No, what I'm saying is that coming out as non binary changed the way I think. I quite literally think that it rewired my brain. Because suddenly, if I could see my own existence, my own idea of gender outside of the binary, how does that transform how I see everything else in the world? And now cue a science moment with our dear friend, the mantis shrimp. Mantis shrimp! I cannot tell you how much fun it was to record that dumb shit I just did. I-, I just felt like I had to. I don't know if you've listened to Radio Lab, but they have an entire episode where they're talking about the mantis shrimp. So a call out to them, deeply inspired by their work always. That was just a moment of play and silliness for you. I mean, we all need that from time to time. But coming back to the concept of the mantis shrimp and why the ever-loving heck we're even talking about it right now is because I like to talk about cones. And when I say cones, I don't mean traffic cones, cones on the 405, ice cream cones, cones in your eyes, cones to see color. Now, something that's worth noting, and you already know this about me, but I feel like I should really preface all of the episodes like this. I am not a scientist. I did not get a degree in science. I cannot perform an emergency tracheotomy. This is not my thing. But I have a deep love for science because I think science is magic. And I think that any time that we are feeling confused or off or unsure about how to navigate through life, turn to science, turn to nature specifically. Nature always has an answer for me, which is why I turn to you, lovely mantis shrimp, And all of your beautiful abilities. Earlier, I mentioned the gray area. I also mentioned that coming out as non binary transformed the way I think. And I think it is because I transitioned from seeing the world on the spectrum of the gray area and started to become a rainbow thinker. Rainbows exist on a spectrum of light. That goes so far beyond on or off black or white that we see in a binary sequence. But the rainbow that we see is only perceived by our three cones in our human eyes. What would the spectrum of light look like if we had more than three cones? What would the world look like? What types of light could we see? if we had more than three cones. Enter mantis shrimp with not three cones, not five, not six, not seven, not nine, not ten, but sixteen cones. Not only can they see more iterations of color, they can also see different types of light that we cannot see, like polarization. I think I want to be a mantis shrimp when I grow up. Or maybe I don't want to be a mantis shrimp, but I want to be the kind of individual that thinks about the world not like the mantis shrimp per se, but at least aware that there are other ways of seeing and living in this world beyond what I can perceive. That there is a world, a spectrum of color, a rainbow thinking way That exists beyond what we think we know. That my idea of a spectrum, even within a rainbow, is still limited. That there is light and color in this world that I will never be able to perceive. I think that's exciting, don't you? I love the idea of being so very human. Sometimes so very limited. I think it opens us up to imagination. It opens us up to magic. And it completely undermines any concept of a binary, of perfection, of the known. Not because there's a mantis shrimp, not because there's colors out in the world or light out in the world, but because there is more than we can see and perceive. So how on earth can we set limitations and boundaries on ourselves? when we can't even see the colors that are all around us right now? How can we know? How can we categorize? I think the mantis shrimp is a reminder that there is so much more to it than the systematic categorization of a binary. Now, perhaps you're thinking, Well, that's well and good, but what does this have to do with me? I still feel like a perfectionist. How do I let that go? Well, dear one, we call back the words of Katie Heron. The limit does not exist. So if the limit does not exist in the world in terms of either side of the spectrum, because we have learned that the spectrum actually exists beyond our gray area. It's not just a lateral move, but it's vertical. It's all around us. It's all encompassing. When we start to recognize that nature itself, in which we are very much a part of, doesn't work in binaries or limits of perfection. I mean, even looking to all of the examples of non-binary in nature, snails don't even have gender. I mean, Nature doesn't give a fuck. Why should we? When we start to recognize that the universe itself is playful, that the universe engages in rainbow thinking, it can be an invitation for us as human beings, as creatives, to engage in a bit of rainbow thinking as well. So, how do we do that? How do we engage? in rainbow thinking. We return to softer words and becoming your own personal guide. If legalism, as I mentioned before, adheres to strict ideas, to a law, to doctrine, to binaries, then what is rainbow thinking other than the opposite? Focusing on spirit, feelings? Softness, personal intuition. And so, friend, shall we engage in some rainbow thinking today? No need to have any materials, a journal. Feel free to take notes if that's your thing. But all you need is your imagination. We're going to play a bit. Go ahead and find a relaxing position where you can let your brain. Are you ready? Great. Let's get started. Instead of thinking about something being enough, what does it feel like for you to be nourished and full? When you're engaging in a creative activity, what does it feel like to be creatively nourished? Instead of using the word perfect, what other words come to mind that mean satisfaction. Maybe it's, how engaged am I? How engaged is my audience? What is your personal gauge for satisfaction? Is it positive emotions, like joy or ease? Is it personal or external engagement? Is it relationships and community building, perhaps it's meaning and depth in your work. Or maybe it's a sense of personal achievement. And finally, how can we see our work, our creativity, our play as a form of collaboration? When you're stuck between two binaries or two options, what would it look like not to compromise, but to collaborate? Given our previous example of the day job and painting at night, what does a collaboration look like? How can this become greater than the sum of its parts instead of a meeting ground of two seemingly unappealing options? How can your life become more collaborative, softer, in exchange? celebrating spirit. And how can you recognize all of the options and colors and light that are around you at any given moment that maybe you're not even perceiving right now? This is when we lean into the magic, when we celebrate the magic of uncertainty. We so Often put these binaries, rules and restrictions into place because we are afraid. A binary is put into place so we have a hard space to land because not knowing where we're going or not knowing the parameters of our actions, our thoughts, our world, is a little scary. But what if we instead lean into the idea that the limit does not exist? And that it's not scary? but magical. Because that means that anything is possible, that you can do anything, that a collaboration creates a greater product, that we were made to exist within a rainbow of color, not a spectrum of gray. And when we finally recognize the limitlessness of possibility and potential. We learn that we are not meant to be perfect, but expansive. And that perfectionism is just another way to box in how magical you are. You were made to burst that box. You were made for something so much bigger. You were made for magic. So let's be in collaboration with a playful universe. Let's lean into a playful mindset, knowing that we can imagine a future so far beyond our known mind, that the spectrum of color all around us is begging for your playful vision. Friend, let's collaborate with the universe. Let's play. This has been Plays Well with Others, and I'm your host, Alex Brennan Arnapal. Until next time, be present, feel good, and play every day. Today's show has been brought to you with the support of Softer Sounds Studio. Plays Well With Others is a product of Rec Center, the radically inclusive center for creative play.